The following audio comes from the National Disciple Making Forum by Discipleship.org. The theme was relationships, and Steve McCoy of an organization called Small Circle led a track called Disciple Making Tools That Move You Upstream in a Downstream Culture. Have you signed up for the next National Disciple Making Forum? Every year, disciple makers from across the country and around the world gather together in one place to learn disciple making. Save your seat and register now. You can find a registration link at discipleship.org. At checkout, use promo code PODCAST to get 20% off your tickets. Now here's today's track session. So for those of you that have been, we've got some, some uh, those that have been here in, in our sessions before, thank you so much uh, for returning. But for this to make sense, you'll, I'll just need five minutes to catch everybody up. So uh, that's just kind of the nature of, of the design. Uh, my name is Steve McCoy. Um, I'm a pastor in Sarasota, Florida. I've been in the ministry for 36 years. Came to Christ uh, when I was studying to be a concert pianist in Boston. God intercepted that, uh, that ambition. And uh, although he definitely has used it through the years, we planted a church uh, 12 years ago. After, uh, after you know, 25 years or so of, of ministry uh, with the core, uh, it was an experiment. Could we plant a church with a one-to-one -one discipleship as the core of our DNA? And so we uh, are now uh, 12 years going strong, probably have about 130, 140 people in one-to-one -one discipleship in our church, and, uh, which is um, uh, a bit unusual, unfortunately, in, in, in our country. And so um, in the process of that, uh, we, uh, it took about six years to write some tools. I had looked for some tools that uh, could accomplish at least what I had in my mind. When I came to Christ, I was discipled. I didn't know that's what you called it at the time, of course. Didn't know the lingo as a new believer. One-to-one uh, -one by the pastor who was from India. And so uh, it was a year of uh, just great solid footing, great relational depth. And, you know, when you talk to people, and probably some people right here in the room who, uh, when I always speak to someone who's had that experience, they had that person that poured into them, it's just undeniably impactful. And uh, so I was shocked, to be honest with you. I thought it was, um, I thought you guys, as Christians, were like AA, you know, you sign up, you get a sponsor. I just thought it was kind of part of the DNA of the whole culture. And for me, I just, you know, when, you, when you're brand new, I was in my 20s, when you're brand new and you, you experience something like that, you just make this assumption, hey, this is the norm. And then when I moved to a different city for a different school, I found out, like, man, that is not only not the norm, but it's, it's a rare uh, thing. So just had this passion of not making discipleship just another program in the church, but really making it the core of who we are. So welcome, you guys. Come on in. So glad you're here. Um, we're going we're gonna to pray, uh, and then we're going to get started. I've actually been looking forward to this particular session. It's going to be, I think you're going to have a blast. It's a little bit of a, a different angle. Um, and uh, then I'm going to spend just a few minutes catching everybody up. So let, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for um, uh, gathering um, uh, just a group of people that are leaning forward to be obedient to, to your call and your charge for us to make disciples. And Father, thank you for this, those in this room this morning. First of all, God, we're so grateful that you saved us. 
and grateful, God, that you've changed our lives and grateful for those who have invested into in, our own lives. And so we feel the weight, God, the responsibility to, to um, return that to others. And so, God, today, as we uh, begin, we, um, are, as always, ask that you just pilot our thoughts and navigate us, give us clarity. Uh, early in the morning, God, help us to shake off whatever may be cluttering our minds. And uh, we just simply ask, come Holy Spirit and, and guide our thoughts in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come right on in. Plenty of seats. We've got, you'll notice that we're sitting kind of in hubs a little bit. We're going to do a bunch of interactive stuff this morning. Um, and so I want to spend just a little bit of time, if you, for those of you, good morning, uh, to uh, just catch everybody up for, for a second. So uh, we, we began our sessions by, this, uh, by uh, our first session was a scientific, spiritual, cultural, social look at the power of one-to-one. We're fearfully and wonderfully made. We looked at the, the incredible way that God has wired our brains. We looked at uh, the, the cortex. We looked at uh, neurons and the human race as it compares to the animal kingdom, how God has really wired us. We looked at what's called the Dunbar number, which is the amount of the capacity uh, based on the size of our brain and the size of our body. Uh, that there's just fascinating studies that about 150 people that we can have as a human being of relationships that we uh, can get somewhat close to, but that's pared down as you do further study to about three to five people. And that includes a spouse, that includes someone close to you in, a, in kin, a family. And so the ability to really dig down deep uh, with a person is limited to a certain number of people. So as I say many times, make sure that I'm very clear, uh, this is not anti-group, it's just beyond the group. And so we have groups in our church, probably 35, 40 groups, small groups in our church. <clears throat> and I think that they offer uh, a beautiful distinctive thing that you can't get uh, in other venues. But there is often, in my opinion and experience, this overlooked dimension of one-to-one. -one. Uh, that's Jesus with Nicodemus, Jesus with Philip, Jesus with John, Jesus with Peter, and these one-to-one -one conversations. Jesus with his conversation with Martha. They were customized and they were, uh, they were uh, in my opinion, the most needle-moving uh, uh, intersections that Christ had. So we, we uh, kind of settled in on the, the power of one-to-one. Um, and Jesus' prayer in John 17, where he prays that they will be one just as the Father, not just this kind of sense of generalized unity, otherwise that's what he's saying he and the Father had, but it's this very uh, in-depth, profound, close relationship that Christ and the Father had. He's praying that we'll have that. I remind those of you that were with us, 93% uh, of American men do not have that. They have no best friend. And if you've been a pastor for any amount of time, you'll, you'll know that. You'll, you'll have that sense of um, when you're sitting across the table from somebody that's caught in an addiction, they're caught in uh, uh, an adulter adulterous affair, whatever that, you know, that life crash would be, I ask you 100% of the time, what other man is walking with you right now? And 100% uh, of the time, uh, the answer is no one. And so we understand the power of that. So then we, uh, our second session was how do we create a culture 
of one-to-one -one disciple making in our churches. And so we looked at the tools that we have. Uh, I'm going to pass those out to you, uh, not to really dive down deep, but at least to give you an idea of the context of where we're going today. Uh, there are upsides and downsides of everything. We know that. The downsides of tools is that we can fool ourselves that we give a person information and they become a disciple. And so, uh, but the upsides of tools, they're, uh, obviously we use a lot of tools, so we, the, the upsides outweigh the downsides for us. Uh, the upsides is that it gives confidence to, uh, coining a phrase from Bobby Harrington, truck driver Ted, or so soccer mom Sally. In other words, the everyday people in our church, it gives them confidence. If you say to a person in your church, hey, go make disciples, Everybody's like, okay, I know that's, you know, know that's the charge, I know that's the commission, but then there's this big fat word called how, you know, how do we do that? And what we have found is creating tools that are not shallow, but they're accessible, really makes a difference. So in our own church, uh, the range of the people that are doing one-to-one -one discipleship, 130, 140 people. Our youngest disciple is 16 years old. Our oldest disciple maker happens to be my mom, turned 90 last week, uh, who's discipling an 80-year-old who uh, came to Christ on Christmas Eve. So, uh, yeah. And so we've seen such a, an incredible power in one-to-one in, uh, in -one discipleship, not only for the disciples, but the disciple makers. We determined yesterday the educators tell us and these numbers, you know, they, they're not, you know, always black and white, but in general, we've, we find out that, you know, we remember 10% of what we read, 20% of what we hear, very discouraging for preachers, by the way, 30% uh, of what we see, 50% of what we see and hear, 70% of what we actually discuss with another individual, not in a group, 80% of what we personally experience, 95% drum roll of what we teach others. So when we get our own people teaching others, discipling others, then the culture begins to shift. And so that's a big deal. So um, today, what we're going to talk about is how do you beat information transfer with tools? And uh, as I said um, a few minutes ago for those who came in late, I've been waiting for this uh, session because this is the fun session. It may seem a little wackadoodle out of context for you. But I'm going to, this is the jazz of the tools that we use. Everybody talks about this aspect that we're going to talk about. So just to give you a context, I, I'm going to kind of just give you kind of sets of books. Uh, I do ask for these back. Um, and uh, so if, uh, Eric, and this is Eric, our executive pastor, my wife Carrie, our discipleship pastor, um, Clay Barnett. And so uh, if you guys want to just, we'll just kind of leave one chunk per hub, so at least you can lay eyes on it. Let me just say this too, our tools are, we, ha, we don't receive a penny profit. And we just took that off the table and it's so liberating. You know, it's not like we're doing our concert and buy our CD in the back of the, you know, back of the church. Um, and so um, there are ways to get these tools at no cost to you. Um, in fact, I'll go ahead and write a number on the board. Uh, Okay. Hey, so um, let me just give you this real quick. Hey, so, um, so yeah, so we, uh, we've just really decided that uh, to make the investment in these tools, 
They're actually being translated in about 13 languages now, and we say, hey, let's take the money off the table, and that way there's just kind of no weirdness to it. And so uh, there's, there's a couple of ways that you can get them at no cost. If you, if you uh, in fact, I'll have Eric explain this. He's more of the tech guy, so I'll blow it. <laughs> so you guys can do it now if you want to, but if you wanted to snag your phone, you can actually send a text to this number right here, one nine four one three hundred thirteen seventy one. And all it is going to do is going to give you an automated response back with a link. You'll be able to put your name and email address in there. And that is going to generate an email that's going to come back to you. And the books that you're looking at right now, we have an electronic PDF version of these full books. right? And so that automated email that's going to come back to you will have a link that you'll be able to download each one of those books individually. So as you'll be better understand as Steve goes through it, there's a set of books for your disciple, there's a set of books for the actual disciple maker. We're looking at the disciple maker version of the books right now. But again, that complete book that you'll be looking at, you'll have your hands on uh, in that email. If you just submit your email address after the text to that number, it will uh, allow you to be able to download a, a full complete copy of the printed version of the tools. So, and I'll be handing out at the end uh, some cards, and those cards have that number that's on them. So if you have a problem in the midst of this or whatever else of getting that piece done, no worries, you'll have a card when you walk out of here and you can do that later today. So. The other way to, thank you, Eric. Um, in fact, do you mind doing me one more favor? Yes. I'm gonna hand out that overview too. So, um, the other way, so, so when you're looking at the books, by the way, there are two tools that you have in your hand. Uh, one is called Exchange. Uh, that's a deeper discipleship relationship. It's about a year and two or three months. Sometimes it goes longer. Um, and there are four, tool, four books in that tool. Zero, one, two, and three. Uh, solid Foundation, zero. Passionate Love for God, one. Relation, transparent relationships with others. Uh, and number two and number three, getting people ready to become disciple makers. The book next that you have in your hand is just for brand new believers. Bite-sized pieces for, for brand new believers. So when you text that number, do you get all five? You get all five. Okay. Yeah. Now, this is totally up to you. So let me, if, when you go to um, print this off your, you know, your printer, etc., you can, you can print it, you know, and put your church's address or, you know, whatever. Um, I think in the long run, this is just my opinion, take it for what it's worth, it's almost cheaper to order the books. So you can go smallcircle.com. Now they're nicely put together, nice paper. We get a bulk rate. Again, we don't make a, I never see the money. We have a, you know, a clearinghouse that does all that. When you go to the Small Circle website, you're actually not going to the Small Circle website. When you order, it bounces you somewhere else. You will never know that. Uh, but uh, they handle all the money, all the mailing, et cetera. So when you go online, if you we, we have them when we have the conferences, they're 32 bucks a set. It's like eight bucks a, a book. When you go online, they're going to cost you 36 dollars plus shipping, because they you know the people that are doing that they have to make their own money and handling and, and whatnot. But he, here's here's the other super news in my opinion. Um, all of that is also in a mobile app, so everything's a mobile app. In fact, our last session for today. It's just going to be the mobile app. In fact, our next session is also going to be a mobile app because there's a third tool that is not in print that's in the mobile app. So if you go to Google Apple Store, uh, you'll find that you'll find the small circle tool uh, there. For just one word, small circle, it'll float right to the top. Uh, 
There's a, I'm gonna overload you with info here, sorry. There's also a, uh, an app you can get on your computer. It's exactly the same as your phone, smallcircle.io. Um, and if you, uh, you know, you can type on your uh, computer and everything syncs to your phone. So at any rate, we invite you to check these out. It's our goal to really equip the saints for the work of the ministry and, and uh, God, is, God is expanding it beyond our... All right, so um, if you look, if you can grab a book like any of them except Next. So I don't know if you got enough. And Carrie, are there samples over there? Oh, good. If you didn't, it, yeah, if you don't have a book, if you can't see a book, you're not holding one, hold your hand up. I'm going to give you a sample. Here's one right here. Okay, if you're not seeing a book, if, other than uh, we got samples, because I want us to turn together and kind of look. Not next. Yeah, exchange. And if you don't, we have a sample, that, so at least we can all put eyes on it. Okay, so I want you to find... Uh, it doesn't matter which chapter, uh, a disciple maker guide. It, depend, it doesn't matter which book you're in, just a disciple maker guide. This is our way, this was our session yesterday, this is our way of coaching truck driver Ted for every single session. There's six sessions in every book, there's 24 sessions all together. We do it every other week, you do it every, you can do it every day, but actually we'd never do that, but you can do it every other week, that's 48 weeks, that, and it's about a year, people get sick, go on vacations, miss, and, that, and so it's about a year, year and two months or so. This is our, this is our attempt at uh, you know, coaching a person along rather than having this massive training up front of which they're going to forget 90% because they're reading it. So um, just a focus of the chapter, word of advice, and you'll see the lab at the bottom, okay? This is where we're going to park in this session. This is, there are several ways that we try to, to beat out uh, information transfer. First of all, and I say it respectfully, uh, I champion any tool that comes out. And when it comes out, I'm like, hey, that's cool, I, I like it. Many tools um, are, will say at the beginning, this can be for group or one-to-one. -one. Typically, one size fits all doesn't. <laughs> so uh, we said, hey, we're going to put a stake down. People say, hey, can we use this for a group? I'm like, you can. But I, we wanted a tool. We worked very hard at saying this is for one-on-one. -on -one. This is one-to-one. -one. That means the, the content is directed, very customized. And as you'll see, uh, it, 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 you could do it in a group. But man, when you do it one-to-one, -one, it draws out things that you just can't get in the group. And, and, and uh, man, uh, the guys that I've really gotten to know here that have a group approach, when I talk to them, have private conversations, they say, even though we may do a group approach or a micro group approach, there comes a point in time where we really want that life on life. And so um, some of the, the, the tool we're doing next session, I did in conjunction with, um, with uh, Jim Putman and his, his ministry, and they're more of a group-oriented, but they said, hey, we really want something to take us beyond the group. So it's kind of cool that they really work hand-in-hand. Hand. This is not, don't ever do groups in your life. We do groups, okay? So I always want to say that, plus I'm being recorded. Love groups, just one day. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, let me talk to you about the labs. Here, here's, the here's the purpose of the lab. The lab takes something that is theological in nature, and brings it to a personal level. So I, give the, I gave this example yesterday, so sorry for the rerun, um, because we, we remember when we wrote the tools, I'm gonna take this off because this, this comes on a little card afterwards you'll have. Um, 
So I'll leave that up. Um, uh, so we remember, you know, 10% of what we read and all that. And when we get down to the top three, 70% of what we discuss, not in the group. We talked about that yesterday, not in a group. That's more like posting rather than discussing. 80% um, of what we personally experience, 95% of what we teach others. So we're going to focus on this 80% of what we personally experience. So my, you know, my, my go-to example is when I was 19, I was very uh, strong at what I did. I practiced piano eight hours a day, 364 days a year. I took Christmas off. I did it for 10 years. So it doesn't matter what you do for that amount of time, you're going to get good at it. <laughs> so I, when I was 19, I got hired uh, by a really high-level musician. It was a big performance. They had a full orchestra, brass, strings, and the whole nine yards, a large choir, about 150 musicians. And I had the honor as a 19-year-old getting hired as the pianist. Showed up for the dress rehearsal. That's the rehearsal before the performance, the night before the performance. This guy, uh, as I say, had no frosting on his cake. He said it like it, you know, it was, and didn't land the plane with any wheels down whatsoever. And so, you know, we're rehearsing. It's going to be crazy, blah blah blah. And so he stops the rehearsal, and when he stops, everybody stops. You know, you hear a pin drop, and he looks to me and said, "Hey, Steve, have you have you prepared for this rehearsal?" And I knew I hadn't, and I could tell my face was flushing. And I said, uh, no, sir, I, I haven't. He goes, that's exactly what I thought. You're fired. Okay, let's pick it up and measure 12. And I'm like, I mean, no, no sweat off his back. It was devastating, Humili humiliated. I never, ever, ever, ever showed up to another rehearsal unprepared in my entire life. I didn't read it in a book. Hey, be prepared for rehearsals. <laughs> I got a real version of it. So when you look at, you know, we say, let's, let's, um, I love, uh, Jim Putman's saying, he says, we want, the, we want to hold to the teachings of Jesus um, and, and overlook the methods of Jesus and yet get the results of Jesus, right? That's kind of his saying. So the methods of Jesus are, there are multiple layers, right? I mean, he spoke to crowds. That was, that was a method. But one of the methods was in, that he would engage people in what we call labs or real-life experiences. So when it came to Peter, uh, instead of saying, hey, here's a great book you might want to read on strengthening your faith, uh, he, created, he, he moved from a book to a boat. And uh, in the midst of this, you know, they're out in the sea and he's, you know, the storm comes along or maybe he created the storm. <laughs> and in the midst of it, hey, Peter, I'm going to ask you to step out of the boat. And I would propose to you that on Peter's last day on earth, if you went to him, even though it was many years removed, if you said, do you remember that thing about the boat that day? Do you think in, his, in your wildest dreams he'd say, no, I kind of forgot that. <laughs> it sticks. So what we've done is created a series of real-life experiences um, and felt experiences. Sometimes they're taste, sometimes they're sight, sometimes they're hearing. Sometimes they're moving, sometimes they're wacky, and we're going to do a variety of them together today, all right? Sometimes they're visual. Let me give you a first one. I'm going to tell you about some, and then we're going to experience some together. So the first one is uh, the very first chapter of book zero is why are you created? Why are you on the planet? 
that God created you in his image. So we're image bearers, and that image is very relational. We bear God's uh, image by being relational with him and with other people. It goes back to the greatest command. It goes back to the very thing that Jesus prayed, John 17. I pray that there'll be one just as we are for one. I pray there'll be in us. Everything, everything ties together. It's the marvelous thing about the scriptures. And so we would say, uh, you know, so I'd say, hey, Jason, you know, if I'm discipling Jason, I'd say, hey, Jason, when you come in uh, for the first time, uh, you know, we're going to get some assignments, do some worksheets to do, et cetera. But would you bring in a childhood picture of yourself? So I'm going to take, because I'm going to tell them, hey, we're going to be talking about, hey, we're creating the image of God, but we're going to bring it home with you a little bit. And I'm going to talk to you about whose image are you in, whose physical image you're in. So he brings in a childhood picture, and then we equip, you know, Ted and Sally with questions to ask, because especially men are lousy at asking good questions, right? We're stuck on sports and work. And, and to get beyond that, we've had, we had a, two guys in our men's group uh, that knew each other for two decades. They went through the first session. They came to me and said, wow, we have, we have unearthed depths that we never would have on our own. So we would say, I'd say, hey, Jason, tell me about uh, who you look more like, your mom or your dad. Uh, tell me about your dad. Is he, uh, was he a kind man? Was he, was he present? Was he in the home? Did you grow up in a single parent home? Uh, was, he a, was he a mean man? Did you come to faith because of your dad or in spite of your dad? And we're trying to, to get into his life by very intentional. So the first guy I brought through, his name was Matt. I say, Matt, you know, bring a picture of yourself. He said, I don't have one. I'm like, we're like, hey, do you like a baby shot or, or like a high school shot? I mean, anything I found that unusual. So naturally, I'm going to ask him the question, why not? Why do you have a picture? He says, I was the last of eight kids. Um, and I, I, we know how that goes. We've had two. We didn't hardly take any on the second one. You know? <laughs> Can't imagine having eight. But he said, my father was a really a, kind of an angry, uh, hyper-conservative Christian man, made us swim in a swimming pool with our long jeans on. And our life was kind of weird like that. He told me every week of my life, you're a loser, Matt and you're a quitter. Now see, we could have just talked about we're creating the image of God, but you can see how it, it personalized <laughs> this in his own life. And so I said, Matt, and Matt couldn't hold a job because he, he was convinced of the image that had been handed to him by his dad. Um, Matt now has four children, maybe on his way to eight, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Doing well. His wife uh, contacted me recently. Doing well. Held, held the job. Discipleship matters. Uh, we're taking theological things. It wasn't just, hey, let's learn about this crazy thing that we're, you know, about the Trinity and this, that, and the other. It really brings it home. The second guy I brought through, um, his name was Justin. Justin was, uh, Justin is, uh, he's a know-it-all. Always trying to prove himself. Uh, and there's always a reason. Jim got into that last night in his message. There's always a, a reason underneath, like, why is that? Always trying to prove himself. If you say red, he's got to say blue. You say blue, he's got to say red. <laughs> um, and so when we began disciple, in discipleship together, I said, hey, bring in a picture, being himself. He brought in, you know, an album instead of a, just a single <laughs> picture. 
And so I'm going through, and about halfway through, I notice like, hey, there's no other, there's all women in this, the, every single photo except him. So I'm like, hey, so what am I going to ask? What's the story? And so he said, well, when we were five, when I was five years old, my father evicted us from the home. And my mom, my sister, and I, uh, my mom had a, a, uh, a good friend, her name was Debbie, and she let us uh, stay in her 800-square-foot home. I'm like, wow, five years old. That was pretty kind of her. How long did she let you stay? He said, I graduated high school from that house. I said, so let me get this straight. Uh, you grew up in a small house with three women, no other men in your life, no. And I said, so um, we're in, in the first session, because we're looking at this relationship between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we naturally gravitate toward the baptism of Christ, where we hear the Father's voice talking to the Son, and the Spirit, you know, God comes down. And, and so, you know, I, I said, let's look at that. You know, so the Father is saying to his Son, this is my boy. He's got great value. Listen to what he says. And I just want everybody to know I love him. And I, and I said to Justin, I'm like, my guess is you've never heard that from another Christian man. And he goes, nope, never have. So why do you think he's trying to, to prove himself all the time? He's so desperate for somebody to say, hey, way to go. That was a good one. Nice shot. <laughs> and so I said to him, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, that's going to change today. I'm going to walk with you. You know, feeling pretty epic and like the hero of the story. Hear the symphony coming up behind me, you know, soundtrack. He goes, no, you're not. Kind of ruined that whole moment. <laughs> I'm like, no, I'm, I'm being genuine, man. I'm, I'm, I'm going to walk with you. He goes, no, you won't. He goes, other guys have told me that. They're going to walk with me. You won't be around six months. Because I know my personality and I know how difficult it is. I said, well, we're just going to have to see. So our tools normally take one year, two months. We took two years, three months. A lot of wrestling, a lot of struggling, a lot of learning on my part. Um, and uh, Justin is now a uh, disciple, uh, another man, our young guy, Mike. Mike's three and a half years sober. Um, my 15-year-old boy was in Mike's uh, as a small group leader in high school. We just hired Mike to be part of our high school ministry. Um, and we're beginning to see our fourth and fifth generation of disciple making. But the lab is the thing that took the information, made it personal, and brought it out. Does that make sense? So we have a series uh, of these. Um, so I'm going to kind of weave in between doing one and telling you about one. Okay, doing one, telling you about one. Okay, so I'm going to do one that um, is more visual. Uh, do you want to help? I think I lost. Is Carrie, she gone too? Okay. Oh, she did. Okay. Do you mind helping me in getting the um, the 1.1 flower pick? All right. So I'm going to not go in order at all. So when we get to the second uh, book, um, we, we're, we're talking about loving God passionately. And so um, Clay's going to hand something out, but you gotta, no, you got to do it face down. Yeah, there you go. Keep it face down. Uh, this is part of the lab. Yeah, don't look. If you got a book one, don't look in book one. If you cheat, I'll throw you out of my session. <laughs> It'd be a great lab. I'll fire you right on the spot. You'll never forget it. You'll never cheat again. <laughs> so.
So this is the last thing I think you'd want to tell your disciple in regards to the Word of God. You've got to read the Bible. You know, like, hey, that sounds like a blast. Um, you know, like, I really want to be a part of that. Wouldn't we rather say, uh, wouldn't we rather have our disciples want to read the Bible or love the Bible and understand the Bible? But just like anything, you know, my, so I actually have a doctorate degree in piano. And uh, from time to time, people will come to me and say, hey, I've tried to listen to classical music on the radio. I'll just tell you from a point, uh, it's, it's like they find the most dud classical pieces on the radio. So <laughs> I, I'm listening like that is a stupid piece. So I don't know, maybe they got to have, maybe they get a cheaper deal on stupid pieces or something, I don't know, whatever. <laughs> but people will say, hey, what should I listen to? I'm like, start with Rachmaninoff, third piano concerto. And then I'll say, listen to it 20 times before you tell me you don't like it. Because that's the nature. You know, you can listen to a Britney Spears piece about 30 seconds and you got the hook. That's, you don't need to go real deep on it, you know. But with classical music, like the Word of God, it takes to really begin to enjoy it and value it. You have to kind of, and our culture is so not that. Would you agree? Mm -hmm. So we created a visual lab and just to say, hey, let's, let's try to whet the appetite of our disciples, okay? So it's a visual lab. So let me give you uh, 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 instructions, okay? So I'm going to count the three, and you're going to flip your, your, uh, your image over. It's a, you know, your, your handout over. And I'm just going to give you a few seconds. You're going to want to be drawn in and do it longer. Uh, but, and then I'm going to say, okay, turn it back, and you've got to turn it back over, right? And then I'm going to ask you what you saw, okay? Everybody game for that? Okay, here we go. On the count of three... One, two, three. Turn it. Okay, and turn it back. Turn it back. All right. Show. Um, just raise your hand because it kind of gets chaotic when I say, well, "What'd you see?" So raise your hand. And tell me what you saw. Just anybody. Tell me you saw something. Yes. Flowers. Yes. A ribbon with God's love. Okay. Go and make your song. Yeah. Okay. Uh, who do you say I am? Okay. Now, some of these things that these guys have seen, did you see all those things? No. no. So they saw some things you didn't see. You may have seen the ribbon. Maybe you didn't see the ribbon, right? This is the way the Bible is, right? So we open it up. We see kind of a larger image. How many people saw the flowers? Yeah. Oh, awesome. Just making sure you had a coffee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. It's going to be a rough session. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, if anybody saw their mother or anything weird psychologically like that. <laughs> Wrong session. Okay, so I'm going to give you a little more time on this time, okay? Ready? One, two, three, turn. And turn it back. Who saw something different than what has already been mentioned? Raise your hand. Yes? What did you see? I am. I am. Who's, everybody see that? Mm -hmm. Some people did. Yes? Uh, Jesus is heavy. Jesus is, uh, oh, n close, not heavy. He is kind of heavy, but <laughs> I like that. So, yeah, I, but that's a cool, see, what you're, what you're trying to do. Right. I don't know. I thought it said heavy, but I That's awesome. I've never had anybody say that. That's pretty cool. That's awesome. Let's go. Get out. Okay. We're gonna, uh, <laughs> no, you know, uh, so the deal is that, um, we, we capture these moments. And sometimes we'd say, see, this is the way the Bible is. We're trying to get them to understand this is the way the Bible is. 
um, that sometimes you, you have to go back and look at it again. Your thoughts said Jesus is heavy, but hey, let's take a look at that, you know, which is cool. It's a great example. Mm -hmm. What did you see? I was going to say Jesus is the way and the life. How many people saw Jesus is the way and the life? One. How many, saw, how many saw, two, three, okay, how many saw Jesus is heavy? No, just kidding. All right, no, no, I'm kidding. All right, so turn it over and give you a little bit more, huh? I saw the image of the fish. The fish? How many people saw the fish? I saw the Alpha and Omega. Oh, the Alpha and Omega. Okay, I'm going to give you a little more time. Go ahead and flip it over. Now, let me, let me take note. You see the little white flowers? Is this where you thought it was Jesus is heavy? Yes. Okay, yes. It's a little hard to see. Jesus is the way. It does actually look like heavy, doesn't it? The way. See, the life and the truth, okay? Yes. Yeah. You see the fish on the upper left? The Alpha and Omega? See that? Who do I say? Who do you say I am? Yes. Anybody see anything different? The fish is at about like uh, 10 o'clock. All right. Go make, disciples. Go make disciples. Anybody see anything else? What? That's that's the Arthur. Yeah, they're, uh, they're, that's true. Right, yeah. Yeah. Ah. Ah. There's two faces. Who sees a face? You got them. There's at least four faces. So if you haven't seen the faces, show somebody if they don't know. All right. All right, do you feel, you feel the buzz in the room? Mission accomplished. Mission accomplished. So here's what we say. You spend five minutes in the Bible, guess what you see? Flowers. Beautiful. Devotional. No problem with that. But when you start getting down, you begin to see Jesus' life in a way, little details. And then how many of you, when you saw the face, like, oh, right? That feeling. And when our disciple does that, we say, hey, you know that feeling? That sense, that felt experience? This is the way the Word of God is when you spend time with it. And so um, we're capitalizing on human emotion. How many people have ever been, you know, you're, you're spending some time in the Word of God and you think you've made that discovery that nobody in the entire world has ever made? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, you know? Yeah. and then you find in a commentary, like, darn it! <laughs> Thought I had something there. Um, and so what we do then in the book is on the flip side of this image that we take Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, and we do a four-layer Bible study. We start with devotionally, like what does this mean to you? But then we get down even into to the, we use free tools like BibleHub.com for commentaries, BibleStudyTools.com, so it's very accessible. And what we're trying to do is whet their appetite to where they're like, oh, this is cool. Yeah, it's super cool. And then let's begin to approach the Word of God together like that instead of just doing that two to three minute devotional. Make sense? All right. So pass those in, if you would. And not the books, just the images so I can use them again. Uh, yeah. Can you get those somewhere? Part of the download and the app. Yes. Yeah, part of the download and the app. Yeah. You can get it if you, if you text this number. Hey, man, you want to come on? we got to see here. Oh, come on in. Thank you. Thank um, you. 
All right, let me uh, let me tell you about uh, another one. Then we're gonna do then we're gonna do a crazy one. Uh, how was that for you? It's just another way. Every session has just uh, uh, these felt experiences. When we do the resurrection, for example, we meet in the, when we're talking about the resurrection, we meet in the cemetery or we go to a funeral service together, our funeral home. Solomon said it's better to be in the house of mourning than the house of celebration because there's a sobering. Um, the amount of tears that I have shed with disciples in a cemetery is, is stunning. You get out, you're just kind of walking around. It's kind of a sacred, almost feels, you know, it's very kind of peaceful and respectful, maybe is a better word. And, uh, and you, you know, just you've come across, you know, um, tombstones that are like, wow, dude, there's a husband and wife, and wonder what that was, and she outlived him. And then last time, you know, about a few months ago, I was doing this session with my disciple, and, and we came um, across this children's section. And we just both stood there and wept and thought, thank God for our kids together. And then it's just natural. Say, so, hey, have you ever, you know, ever experienced sudden death? My father was killed in a car accident. And uh, it's just a way that you're opening. You're becoming vulnerable. And uh, my disciple said, yeah, I lost my sister when I was seven. Um, and so what we're trying to do is instead of saying, boy, that's rough, we say, you know, ask questions. What did that do to your mom? He said, it wrecked my mom. I didn't have a mom for 10 years. She didn't recover from it. What did that do to you? You know, this is discipleship. We're taking, and what does the resurrection mean to you? Man, I can't wait to see my sister, you know. And so we're taking these, you know, deeply theological truths and making them. One of the deeply theological truths that we all hold as Christians is the, the reversal of religion, which is called unconditional love, that Christ came for us. We didn't have to work ourselves to Him. And uh, when you begin to dig down deep, you find out that people wrestle with that because we know our own fractures like nobody else. And uh, when you say, God loves you no matter what, like, really? I mean, you don't know what I did last week and this kind of thing. And so what, what we do, this is in the first book, is so if I'm discipling Jason, I'm going to find somebody close to him. If he's married, I'll go to his spouse and say, hey, we're going to do something, uh, a surprise for Jason. And we're not going to tell him, but I want you to help me because you know his closest hub here. I want you to go to the, his closest 10 to 12 people, and I would ask you, to, um, we're going to ask them to write a letter. And because uh, people don't write letters anymore, I'm going to ask him to write a letter. What would they say at his funeral that they'd regret they didn't say right now? That's how we couch it. Because we wait until we say these amazing things that are at people's funerals, and why not say them right now? And so they write, they write the thoughts, they collect it. He doesn't even know it yet. We come in, we're talking about the unconditional love of God. Sometimes faith things are hard to, to touch because God is invisible, and we believe it, and we're by faith, but we're trying to take those invisible things, bring them to a tangible place so that we can then relate the two. And so we, so we go through the session. Hey, is that difficult for you to, to understand the guy I'm discipling now, really successful business guy? Uh, and he said, man, sometimes it's just hard for me to understand. God loves me no matter what I do. I'm like, you know, so we're talking through that, kind of discussing. I'm like, hey, his name is Dave. Dave, I've got a surprise for you today. 
I put some ambient music on in the back. And I'm like, hey, I got some, I got some letters from your closest people. And he's got, uh, <laughs> he's got uh, three uh, teenage teenagers right now. The oldest one is 18, living with a, a girl, living with a boy, real struggle at home, left home recently, et cetera. Got a letter from her. His dad's kind of rough. Got a letter from dad. If I get a letter from dad, I put it on the bottom because dads, dads don't write letters. So we come together and we're reading through these letters and um, I'm through the fifth guy on these tools and we've never, there's never been a time where we're not just weeping pretty deeply. Um, and it's a real deal. So I gave Davis letters and I put his three teenagers uh, on top and he got about a half a paragraph into it and he shoved them back and said, I can't do this. And I said, you can't do it because you're not used to being this transparent with another person in the room. Let's fight for this. Let's be Dave and Jonathan where, Dave, where Jonathan disrobed and and let's just let's just disrobe here. Let's just dis, you know forget all the barriers, forget our culture. Let's just be real. And he picked those letters up. Man, we're both weeping. And I said, now the, what you're feeling right now is tangible. God's love is perfect, and it's like He got it. And then we then we have communion together. And I'm telling you, man, it's it's different than hey, let's just read about it. So I brought in a story for you to see today. It's Chris Johnson. He's in our church. Chris, um, when I met Chris, he was just going through a pretty brutal divorce. His wife was leaving him. He has two girls, um, and he went through this. Uh, he got linked up to uh, uh, his disciple maker as an attorney. And uh, on the day of the divorce, people will tell you, even though they've been working at it and it's difficult and everything, when you come to that court day, there's just a finality, almost like death. And so his lawyer, uh, not his lawyer, his disciple maker, who happened to be a lawyer, sat in court with him all day long. And so he, you know, brought the letters, et cetera. And so I want you to, I want you to take a listen to Chris's story, based on this, uh, based on this. About a year and a half ago, I found out that my marriage is going to end, and shortly after that. Uh, I realized that I just couldn't go through this whole process entirely on my own. So in searching for a different church, I came across 360. So I became a part of a men's group. And through the men's group and through the church introducing me to another gentleman who had also gone through a divorce very similar to mine, uh, Scott Van Ness, he and I started to meet together on a very regular basis, just kind of going through all the things that each one of us had experienced. And it was nice to have somebody to connect with. So about a year after we had been getting together and about a year after going through with the men's group, Scott asked me if I'd be interested in going through exchange with him. And I knew I wanted to do it and I just wasn't sure who the right person was going to be, but because Scott and I had been through so much and had so many discussions prior to that, he certainly seemed like a good fit for me. So we started to go through exchange together. At the end of the fourth, series after our discussion he said so the next series and I, now I don't even remember what he said the next series was about because he said I have these letters for you that I want you to read and they're from some of your family and some of your friends and I had heard that people would get these letters from people in their lives and I 
kind of knew it was coming, but I didn't know what they were about. So he handed me this folder. So I read two letters that are from two gentlemen in my men's group, and it was great to see what they had seen in me over the last year. But the two that absolutely hit home were the ones that I got from my two girls. And as a parent, you're always wondering exactly what it is your children see, what do they think. My younger one writes, my father is very important to me. He has done so many things for me, and I'm very honored to call him my father. I would never wish for a better dad than him, and I'll never find a better dad than him because he's the best one. He's always there for me, and I love him with all of my heart. So that's my youngest daughter. And then this one comes from my older daughter. Uh, my dad means the world to me. He's always kind and loving and rarely gets mad. I try to be like him every day. My dad has taught me the many things and I am gratefully appreciative of everything he does for me. My dad is the nicest person I've ever met and I aspire to treat people the way he does. My dad always makes me laugh and I have countless memories with him that are some of my favorite. My dad means so much to me and I love him with all of my heart. So this letter is what tells me that the person that I'm trying to display to them is exactly what she sees in me. And for people that go through a divorce, there are times, a lot of times, where you wonder, are you doing the right thing? When you don't, when you're not moving your children forth together, you don't know exactly what's coming on the other side or what you're thinking. And, and not everything is perfect in a divorce and things might be said from time to time that could hurt your feelings or make you be curious about the way that you're doing things. And what I know is the most important thing for me when it comes to my children is that they see what I want them to see and they're being raised the way that I want them to raise. And I can, I've carried this letter with me almost every day since I've gotten it so that at any time I can read it and know that I'm doing the right thing by my children. And without having gone through exchange to this point, I don't know exactly if I would have received something like this that so explicitly makes me feel like I've done the right thing. So when uh, Chris came in that day, um, he said, Matt, I, I got something in my car I want to show you. And uh, it just has, it just brings these, um, these relationships to life. Okay, we're going to do something crazy now. Um, and uh, so the, the topic is, the session is on leaning into God and depending on His Word, His voice through His Word, prayer, the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Everybody understands that concept that we ought to. But there is this, there is this um, sense that uh, you ask yourself, are we desperate enough to, to really uh, to lean on God this much, okay? So I'm going to ask for a couple of, of uh, I learned a new word yesterday, voluntold. Have you ever heard that? I, I never heard of that, voluntold, yeah. So uh, let me, let me uh, ask for, I'm going to ask you, tell me your name again. Michael. Michael. Okay, Michael, come on up. And actually, um, Michael, bring your chair with you, all right? Okay. I'm, okay, let me uh, let me place you over here. All right. 
And then let me ask, let's see, who do I want to uh, have as a victim? I mean, a uh, volunteer. <laughs> Sorry, got a little V word there. Uh, let me ask, let's see, I want to try to pick somebody that won't get their feelings hurt. Uh, <laughs> 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 so, my wife. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> What's that? You'll do it? <laughs> Love it, man. Of all, an actual true volunteer. Okay, you stand here. And your name? Michael. Michael. I just wanted to make it easy for you to remember. Oh, that's perfect. <laughs> now, Michael, do you know Michael? I do not. All right. You're about to. All right. Okay. Lear, you're going to stand here. Now, so... Um, so <laughs> Yeah, they're not... Yeah. <laughs> all right. So what we're going to do, uh, Michael and Michael, is um, we're going to create a little bit of a obstacle course with some live mousetraps. And uh, so uh, you bring them, I'll place them. All righty. All right. So, uh, Michael, I'm going to have you stand here facing this way right here. And uh, we're going to make it a little interesting here. I'm going to ask you to slip your shoes off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I want you to learn this, I want you to have this sense of trusting Michael, okay? Now, one of the things that we're going to do is just make it just a little more interesting. Of course, because we walk by faith and not by what? <laughs> you got that right. <laughs> Can you see? Nope. Perfect. All right, you stay right there. I'm going to give some instructions here to Michael. All right. One of the key factors is that his left is your right. Okay? Mm -hmm. um, and so when you're asking him to step, you can't cheat and go around. Mm -hmm. Got to bring him through. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I always say baby steps. Give him okay. specific instructions. Okay. Slide the foot. Okay. Turn 30 degrees. Okay. Think before you speak. Okay. Okay? All right. Okay. You're on. Okay, Michael. You can trust me, if you, buddy. If you can't see, you can stand. That's no problem. Yeah. Okay. So just, I want you to take a very, very small step forward with your right foot. There you go. Okay. Uh, and go towards my voice, of course. Uh, now your left foot. Right foot, left foot, right foot, left right. foot, right foot. Okay, now we're getting into a dangerous territory, okay? <laughs> so, can I just say whatever I want? Yeah. Sure. Yeah, okay, okay. You're gonna go, you're gonna, uh, you're gonna go right over the top of one of them. One foot on one side and the other on the Not other yet. side, okay? Not yet. Okay, so <laughs> I want you to take your left foot and and go out a little bit to your like left it. with it and forward. Okay. Now your right foot, just go straight ahead. Good. Very good. Okay. Left foot, the same about a, not a distance. Uh, forward, straight forward. Okay. Now right foot, straight ahead. Very good. Okay. Left foot, kind of to your left a little bit more, but straight ahead. There we go. Okay. Right foot, straight ahead. Okay. Left foot, straight ahead. Right foot straight ahead. Left foot straight ahead. Right foot straight ahead. Left foot straight ahead. You're good, buddy. Come on, man. Come on. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you.
<laughs> watch, watch, watch. <laughs> oh my well, goodness. They really work, don't they? Hey, he scooted a, he scooted a few of those bad boys. Oh my goodness. So, let me ask you, uh, Michael. Yes. Are you going to forget that by the end of the day? The walking through blindfold? Yes. No. <laughs> <laughs> tell me, so this is where we say, tell me what you learned. So tell me, tell me how important it was to uh, this experience. What did you, what details would you give uh, about the experience? His being able to see was mm. more important even though what he was mm. able to say because if he couldn't see where I needed to go, he couldn't tell me where to go anyway. Mm. So I had to trust that he could see what I needed to do, even though I couldn't. So this, this is where I would stop my disciple, Mike. So God can see stuff we can't. So how valuable is that voice, right? Let me, then I would ask a question. Do you feel like he was on your side? Yes, I, I think he did not want me to get injured. Yeah. intention not to do for me not to get harmed. So then we would say, look, sometimes God says, nope, don't move another inch. And we take that as an offense. How come God said no? So we're, we're playing into this. Sometimes God will say, be more bold, take a bigger step. We don't understand, but God can see. So we're using this example to, to really hone in. Make sense? All right, I got 16 minutes, so let me let me do the XRA. Um, no, it's it's a separate one, one over there. Maybe you could help too, Clay. It'd be awesome. Thanks. So let me tell you. So um, when you look at the second, our uh, book number two. Um, let me hold this up for a second. It's the green one. What we do. Um, the design. We covered this yesterday. The design of exchange is like this. So. The story I tell is that I studied piano for 25 years. It's a quarter of a century, one-to-one -one, uh, piano. Uh, crazy enough, when I went to do my first professional concert, I was lost. I had, I had had a mentor, a teacher, for 25 years, and now it's your turn. I was so used to the teacher saying, you know, your left hand's too loud, you're over-pedaling on the last page, the third page is too fast, you missed an F-sharp. And I didn't have any of that any longer, and I had missed that voice. What we're trying to do, what we're making sure that we do, some people say, hey, one-to-one -one discipleship, there's a codependency that can happen. Well, true, if you let, let it happen, but it, the part of the design is that the first book is Disciple Maker Disciple, second book Disciple Maker Disciple, third book we're iron sharpening iron. By this time, if you do it every other week, we're together at least six months. So I've seen over and over, I don't know what it is, there's probably some uh, biological phenomena, but I've just seen at the six month mark, something happens. This is why I'm not, a, I'm not super favorable about you know, a four week discipleship course or a discipleship weekend or something like that. It, it takes relationships time to bear the weight of truth. That's the saying. And so it really, just like it takes time to grow corn, it takes good time to grow human relationships, and, and it's a lot slower. We're getting in trouble now because we try to grow chickens too fast and our produce too fast. And so the same thing happens when we try to grow relationships too fast. So we really have slowed it down intentionally, and we've placed this, this section on relationships strategically only after six months because now we can, we can get uh, real you know, and, and honest. 
And so, and there are two parts in, in, the, in book two that we hired a company to do kind of a self-assessment. So if you look on, on your example on page 14 and 15, and just kind of hold it, sorry, hold it open like this so you can see both pages like that. This is a sample, and this is where it, the beauty of getting customized with one-to-one uh, with -one really pays off. This would be an example, it'd be super tough to do as a group. Um, and so this is how you get things done. This is my actual test here, my assessment. There are 10 questions and you just say I'm an extreme or a minimum on, bo on, uh, on any, all of these. My Achilles heel personally is I'm a workaholic. Uh, I get a lot of things done. People think it's noble of the amount of work, I, you know, things I accomplish, etc. But if you ask my family, it's not so noble. Um, and so uh, so I'm driven. So you'll see my scores driven. Uh, that's my highest score. So you would assess yourself and then you would look on page, uh, see on next to driven, page 18. So if you turn to page 18, for every extreme what we've done is given questions and personalized labs. So personalized, can I grab your book too there? I think, sorry. Um, personalized labs. So mine, for example, says a passionate focus on getting things accomplished can sometimes, all the time, create strain in your relationships. You'll have to be dis disciplined to pause, hard for me to say, <laughs> manage your expectations that others will run as fast and hard as you do. I have a staff member here he probably would testify to the fact that there's sometimes my expectations from my staff are too high. I expect them to run like I do because I'm wired, I'm driven, 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 driven. Uh, I can suck the fun out of a vacation in two New York seconds. Like, okay, <laughs> we've got three minutes to get to the Washington Monument and you're causing us to be late. Let's roll, yeah. <laughs> List three areas where your intensity gets you in trouble on vacations, family gatherings, friends. I'll be real transparent even though we don't know each other. My wife is in the room. Uh, probably about six months ago she made this statement to me that was gut-wrenching. Uh, I have two boys, two teenage boys. Um, she said, um, I feel like we're getting in your way. So my action step is to commit 60 minutes of downtime. I'm not quite sure what that is. <laughs> I go on very little sleep. I've been working since 4 a.m. today. That's my norm. Um, and I'll work till 10 o'clock tonight. 60 minutes, take some time, read a book, write a note, walk outside, just relax, chill out. I need that. So now watch what happens. After six months, we, we've wept together, we've, you know, our disciple, etc. Back on page 14, when I get, you know, on the number two things, getting, you have a strong drive to get things accomplished. If I put three, I'm giving my disciple to, to the permission to say, that's bunk, Steve. That's bunk. That is not, any, that's not remotely close to where you are. See, so I'm empowering my disciple to become a disciple maker already through this process. Uh, if we have time, we'll, we'll, I'll actually have you do this, uh, but I'm not sure we will. So you can take it with you and do it. We, we find that a, a lot of people get nailed <laughs> uh, by this exercise. Um, there are different things that we do that are uh, kind of nutty. 
uh, when we talk about the Lordship of Christ having a divided heart or having a single heart, um, we, uh, there sometimes we do different things, we have optional labs on that one. We say, hey, wear, wear your oldest tennis shoe and your best dress on one foot and your best dress shoe on the other foot and go through the entire day like that. And people will, first of all, think you're nutty uh, or you're dressed in the dark. But they'll, they'll, you'll understand how weird that feels and how God sees that and the, the sensation of living a double life, living a, you know, a, a, without a single mind. So we do things like that. Okay, so let me hand out the stereogram, uh, you guys. Are uh, you talking about me specifically? In general. Yeah. How, how, what, what, how do you set the tempo for that relationship if you're a 10 and they're a... A one. Yes. Yes. I don't know if you guys heard that, but let's say you're a driven person, a driven disciple maker. How do you not burn out your, you know, disciple that may be a one? Um, and so maybe this next, this next lab will answer that. This next lab comes at near the end of the book. Anybody ever seen these stereograms? Have you seen these? Have you ever seen these? Okay. Yeah, it's fascinating when you go to other countries they've never seen before. All right, so let me tell you. Let me tell you. Uh, let me tell you where we uh, where we land on this. And the next of the on, on the last book, uh, we begin to prepare our disciples to become disciple makers. One of the chapters is called Sacred Process, and this is kind of to your question, Michael. Um, we're teaching our disciple that when, they, when they're disciple makers, that there is a, there's a sacred process that requires patience, different pacing. Uh, Jesus and Peter probably wanted to wring his neck more than once. And that's sacred to God, that you're being... Michael, Michelangelo, and we make this quote in the book, Michelangelo, just this fascinating quote. You know, his favorite venue was sculpting. And his quote was, when I see this chunk of rock, I already clearly see the image in my mind of what it's going to be. And my job is only to carve away all the rough spots so you can see the image that I'm seeing. That was his, that was his motivation. So what we do here is say, okay, so this is sometimes what we look like as disciples, and your disciple is going to look like that. And I don't know if you know how to do a stereogram. It's, you're going to hold it sideways. You're going to hold it sideways, like this, not like this, but like this. And the way to do it is you touch your nose with it, and you just move it away just about an inch until it's blurry, and you kind of cross your eyes and relax. Some of you already have it too far away. Yeah, I know. Whoa? You have to whoa? Do I have one whoa? Oh. <laughs> you have to focus your eyes and just kind of... Do you see it? Some people get yeah, make it... Make it uh, super blurry. Cross your eyes. That's cool. You see it? I always want to take a picture of this scene right here. Like, hey, what'd you guys do? Like, okay. All right, how many people saw it? How many people didn't see it? All right, let me ask you, for you didn't see it, was it frustrating? Yeah. <laughs> Same thing with your disciple making. This is, what, this is the whole point. There is the image of Christ in us and in your disciple. 
And sometimes it takes great effort and sometimes you can't see it and it's super frustrating. That's what we're teaching our disciples. Okay, I got one more for you. Go at five minutes. Okay? Can we pass out the blank cards? All right, for the sake of time, let me do one more with you, okay? Hey, let me get a little feedback. You see what we're trying to go after? Because what happens also is the disciple, this helps the disciple look forward to, like, what are we going to do? Sometimes we meet on location and just, and it just has become the jazz because it's not just about dry, let's read the chapter and blah, 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 right? All right, so one of the things, here's how we end exchange. We end exchange with this, this, this word called umbilical, which is a strange word to use. But I believe that our dependence on God should be umbilical. And Christ made this bold statement, um, apart from me you can do nothing, John 15 verse 5. Apart from me you can do nothing. And so um, I think all of us were probably mostly uh, convicted when we heard Shandake speak on the first night, mm -hmm. right? Just unbelievable, powerful, and the unbelievable dependence and desperation they have on God. And I think we'll all walk away changed in some measure, and what we do with that then is, is everything. But so we, we're trying to, when we're getting our, our disciples ready, and I'm going to say the same thing to you, tools are tools, and they're only tools. They're not the Holy Spirit. I strongly believe in tools. I think they help build confidence. I believe they help build comprehensiveness rather than, you know, we're just going to do one or two things and get together. I think it, they're relational, like Jim said last night, relational and truth to be obeyed. You know, the, the great uh, commission is that, you know, teaching the things I've obeyed. So there's that part, but then there's the relational part. I believe all that's true. So I think tools are super, super important. But a guy like me, and maybe you're the same, has to be careful that strategy, I'm a, I love strategy, and tools don't take the place of my dependence on God. And so we were, we're telling this to our disciple, because we're we're, this is the last session, we're getting ready to launch the bird from the nest. And so we do this thing uh, with these business cards, and here's, I'm going to have you do it, okay? If you're right, can you shut that door for me just one sec, sorry, yeah. thank you. Okay, yeah, maybe just the last two minutes here. Uh, if, you, uh, if you're right-handed, you're going to write with your left hand, okay? If you're left-handed, you're going to write with your right hand, but not yet. Uh, we're going to write, but not, not yet, the words, apart from uh, me, you can do nothing. That's John 15, 5, okay? I want you to write it with your weak hand, and I want you to close your eyes when you write it. <laughs> so you have to fill the card with your strong hand, but with your weak hand, uh, write these words, apart from me, you can do nothing. Go ahead. Don't cheat. <laughs> Pretty rough, right? Uh, okay, so who does it look like wrote your card? Uh -huh. A grandchild. A child. Uh, here's my card. I've carried in my wallet for six years. Every time I go to spend, every time I go to my wallet, I remind myself, apart from Christ, I can do nothing. And uh, that's the message I want to leave with you, that, this, that we use the tools and hope that they're helpful, but apart from Christ, you can do nothing. You've been listening to the Disciple Makers Podcast. Have you signed up for the next National Disciple Making Forum? Every year, disciple makers from across the country and around the world gather together in one place to learn disciple making. Save your seat and register now. You can find a registration link at discipleship.org. At checkout, use promo code PODCAST 
to get 20% off your tickets. In addition to this podcast, you'll find many other great discipleship resources at discipleship.org as well. May the Lord bless you as you seek to grow as a disciple maker.